Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bcc.church. It's a privilege to be here on, on, on our official last week and speaking to you guys again. Um, before I start, I just want to ask, uh, who's had a great holiday in the UK this year? <laughs> Brilliant. Who's had a great holiday in Europe this year? Anybody? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, you should come back. Who's been a little bit further afield? Maybe the Americas. Oh, Egypt. Oh, oh. <laughs> it's funny, I, I heard a, um, something interesting about in Jamaica... Um, an apple pie costs £1.29. A cherry pie costs £1.31. And a chicken pie costs just 90 pence. And then in Trinidad, I heard that an apple pie costs £2.34. And a chicken pie costs £1.19. I guess these are the pie rates of the Caribbean. <laughs> oh. No. Oh no. And it all goes downhill from there. Now you know why they're sending me. Oh. So we've been in this series, The King's Speech, for the last, I think it's been 15 weeks. This is the 16th week or something like that. So this is 15, the 15 weeks. Um, getting to grips with you and unpacking and applying Jesus' teachings from the Sermon on the Mount. And today we come to the final, in case you're wondering if that Caribbean joke makes any relevance to my message, it doesn't, okay? Okay, so we, uh, we come to the final part in this, I guess you might call it an epic, epic message, really. And I want to think about that for a moment. Jesus has just delivered and laid out a kind of kingdom manifesto. It's the longest unbroken portion of red in your Bibles, Okay, the words of Jesus that are colored in red. It's the longest unbroken portion of red that you'll find in your Bibles. It's an important, important message that Jesus gave. So, so far, we've had, um, we've had the Beatitudes. We started off with that, the keys to a, to a blessed life. We've looked at encouragement, living a kingdom life. He's talked a bit about himself, Jesus has, and talked about what we and his disciples and his followers should look like. He's challenged them a lot on their assumptions, saying things like, you've heard it said, but I tell you something slightly different or something incredibly different. Um, he's raised the bar on a number of issues uh, that they kind of uh, thought they knew what it meant about you know, murder and adultery and relationships and divorce. He's brought in what we now know as kind of fundamental Christian teaching and doctrine on, on giving and on fasting and on praying. He's... He's taught really about everyday life, yeah. about living correctly with our finances, about worrying and about stress, and about how to live an incredible kingdom life. And I can imagine the people sat around him at that time just listening, hanging onto every word that Jesus is saying, not really wanting it to end. I don't know if you've ever been in a... In a 
in a meeting like that where the speaker is speaking and you sit a little bit further forward on your chair. Your heart starts to beat a bit faster. You want to write notes, but you daren't look down because you don't want to miss the point that the speaker's making. I guess kind of like you're feeling right now. Um, Kind of, but maybe not. I imagine the crowd just listening like that. This is incredible. They've never heard anything like this or anyone teach like this. And if you've ever watched a, an exciting TV series like 24, that final episode is kind of the most important. You've watched episodes 1 to 23, and there's all those threads. You wouldn't want to miss that final episode because all the threads start to come together and get tied up nicely, and you don't want to miss it. And I think, well, what's Jesus going to say then in this last bit? He's, he's spent you know, however long it took to, to talk about all this teaching that he's given them. What's he going to say to wrap this message up? Well, we're starting from Matthew 7, verse 15 to 20. There are kind of three main sections to this final conclusion, but they all tie together. So let's start at verse 15. He says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree can't bear bad fruit, and a bad tree just can't bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you're going to recognize them. So Jesus begins this conclusion by warning his listeners about false prophets. And I think this is both a warning uh, to us to be careful uh, and to beware of people who claim things. But it's also a warning to us to be careful about what we claim, and about what we say, and about how we live. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to go into great detail about what a prophet is. I'm sure most of you have some idea about what a definition of a prophet is. But just so we're all on the same page, I guess a prophet would be someone who hears God's voice and then relays that message. Now, most of us think in terms of kind of talking about what's going to happen in the future for, you know, or calling forth what's going to happen in the future. But it can also be a, a, a warning. It can be a, an, a word of encouragement. It, it, it's simply a, somebody who brings a word that God has spoken to them and he brings it uh, to the people. That would be what a true prophet is. So, so obviously, then a false prophet would be someone who delivers a message that they claim is, is God-inspired or do an action that they claim is God-inspired when it isn't. That would be what a false prophet is. It has the look and it has the feel of a God-given message, but it comes from a different place. So how can we tell what, a, what is a true prophet and what is a false prophet? Um, it's not going to be by the cleverness of their words. Okay, They're going to look similar. It's not going to be how they look or even how they sound. The way that we'll tell a false prophet from a true prophet is, is by their fruit. It's by what we see as a result of what they say or what they do. That's how we tell. I recently read a story about an island in the South Pacific. During World War II, the American and, and British soldiers and engineers came onto the island and immediately started to uh, build a runway on this island. And you know, they, they kind of laid the runway, they built control towers, they uh, kind of lit up the runway 
And the islanders were watching all this. And then they watched as plane after plane started to come into that island, bringing cargo, bringing kind of essential, essential goods, building materials and food and supplies, and even vehicles were coming off their planes. And the islanders thought to themselves, That's, looks, that looks amazing. We want a piece of that. So they went into the jungle and they cleared the jungle and built their own runway. And they built their control towers out of grass and mud. And they even put bamboo sticks on top of the control towers to look like the aerials they had seen. And then they waited. But obviously the planes never came. They thought, you know, they crafted this thing to look exactly like the soldiers had. But the planes never came because they had no contact with the authority that was sending the planes. They had no contact with the governments and with the uh, kind of admirals and the generals who were sending the supplies. And that's really what a false prophet is as well, is someone who is, is taking action, is delivering a message, but without that contact, they haven't heard the word of God. They haven't heard the word of God, and therefore the result is essentially it's fruitless. These islanders, the actions they took bore no fruit because there was no connection to the ones who would be sending the cargo. And that's really the lesson here. A good tree can't bear bad fruit. A bad tree can't bear good fruit. So a good tree then is someone who is in a relationship with God, is spending time with God, just as Mark spoke about brilliantly as he delivered that communion message today. It's all about the relationship. It's all about, do this in remembrance of me. It's all about that me. You're absolutely right, Mark. I've never seen you like that. It's all about having that relationship with the one who can make a difference. So that's one half of the equation. We need to be confident that we are hearing, that we're in that relationship so we can hear and discern God's voice uh, before we deliver a message or we take an action. Um, all right, let's move on to the next section. Uh, from verse 21, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So now Jesus turns his attention to the other side of the coin. Who's going to enter the kingdom of heaven? Who's going to live the true kingdom life now? The one who does the will of my Father in heaven. I think I missed a bit. There it is. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So beforehand, in the previous section, he was looking at those who, who kind of deliver a message or take an action without hearing God's word. And now, almost, he's looking at those who hear God's word, but don't take action, or, do, or take the wrong action. We read... In the book of Samuel, about a man called Saul, whom God has chosen and has made king over Israel. And in chapter 15, we see God telling Saul to, um, uh, to attack the Amalekites. He says to attack them and to completely destroy them. He says, don't spare anyone or anything to totally destroy them, even their cattle and their sheep and their camels and their donkeys. And so Saul, he goes out and attacks them and he achieves a great victory, but he doesn't do everything that God says, he says, but Saul and the army spared the king and the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and the lambs, everything that was good. These they were unwilling to destroy completely. So Saul here has, is an example of what we're talking about. He's heard the word of God. 
He's heard what God has said, but he doesn't do what he's been told to do. And when he's challenged about this, he tries to explain it. He says, I only saved them so I could sacrifice them to God, so I could do what the right thing. I just, it's all about God, he says. And it's kind of like those people here who say, uh, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We drove out demons in your name. Oh, it's all about you, God. I did it all for you. And, God's, and God says, that's not what it's about. And uh, Samuel, when he replies to Saul about this, um, he makes a brilliant statement. He says, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? He says, to obey is better than sacrifice. And so because of this incident, Saul is then rejected as king. And it's a brilliant reflection of what Jesus says in this passage. So if you do, if you live your life without having that relationship with God, without hearing the word of God, you're not going to bear fruit. Likewise, if you, if you kind of read your Bible, but then don't do anything about it, and don't live what you've been told, what the word tells you to do in the, in, in the way that you do it, you know, what did Mark say this morning? He said, Jesus calls us to change. He calls us to change. And when we're reading the word of God, the word of God calls us to change. Because if nothing changes, nothing changes. If nothing changes, nothing changes. We're called to change. We're called to action. Then we come to this final section, which is really uh, kind of a sum-up of what he said um, uh, from verse 24. It's, just, it's a passage that you all know well. We learned it in Sunday school. We probably sang about the wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his... Yeah, we all know that section. He says, therefore, again, therefore, there's that word again. Whenever there's a therefore, it means that what's going to come after it reflects what's come before it. There's a link between what's going to come. So he says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house. Yes, it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So right at the end of this awesome sermon, Jesus kind of says, over to you. Now it's your turn. Over to you. That's the message. That's the word. Over to you. You've now got to put this into practice. Because both houses look the same on the outside. They look the same. The house on the rock, the house on the sand. It's not about the building on the top. It's about what they were built on. It's the foundations. And the whole of the subtext of this series has been foundations for a kingdom life. Not just knowing or hearing the word, but putting that word into practice. There's an expression that we sometimes hear or maybe we say, uh, you've got to put some skin in the game. You've got to put some skin in the game. And it's, a, it's an expression that means if you're uh, going to do something, you've got to really commit to it. You've got to put your whole bell, you've got to, your whole self into it. You've got to own it. You've got to put some skin in the game. There's a cost involved in living a kingdom life. When we take action, there's a cost involved. You've got to own the message. You've got to hear and you've got to do. There's that level of commitment. And I think the skin that we put into the game is faith. Faith is what it takes 
to both hear and to do the message. In Hebrews uh, 4 verse 2, um, uh, the writer talking about the Israelites in the wilderness says this, For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did, the Israelites in the wilderness, but the message they heard was of no value value to them, because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. The reason they missed out on the promised land, on the promises of God, was because they didn't have the faith to obey, to put the promises and the word they had into practice. Are you a hearer of the word? Do you spend time learning to recognize his voice? Learning to discern what he's saying to you. Opening your spirit to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Because God does have a word for you. Every time you open that Bible, you can bet God has a word just for you where you are right now. Are you a hearer of the word? But if you don't put it into practice, if you don't become a doer, then as hearers, you're simply a false disciple. Even, what does it say? The foolish man was a hearer of the word. You're foolish. You're disobedient. There will be no kingdom life. There will be no kingdom fruit if you're just a hearer of the word. Likewise, if you're a doer, we need to be both a hearer and a doer. But if you're just somebody who doesn't have that relationship, that, that listening out for the word, but, but kind of lives a religious life, lives the life that looks right, that seems right, saying the right words, doing the right things, without any kind of relationship, with any sense that God is moving you in a direction, then you're simply actually a false prophet. Or what does it say? He says, ravenous wolves dressed as, sh- as sheep. You're a wolf. You're religious. You look right, but the fruit that you bear is not good kingdom fruit. It's bad fruit. So in order to be wise, we need to be both hearers, look at that, and doers. Do you like that? Yeah, it took me ages. Okay. <laughs> hearers and doers. There's a sweet spot in the middle where hearers and doers meet up. And as a hearer and a doer, you become a true disciple. A true disciple. You will bear good fruit. Your life will be built on a solid foundation. We're built on the rock. You will know God. And more importantly, you will be known by God. What does it say to those uh, false disciples? He says, Away from me, I never knew you. When you are a hearer and a doer, when you're living in that middle place, in that sweet spot, he, God will know you and you will know God. In order to be wise, we need to be both a hearer and a doer. That's, we, that's where we live, right at the center of God's will. Remember the Lord's Prayer from a few weeks ago, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth, here in my life, just as it is in heaven. In order for that to really happen, we need to be not just hearers, but doers also. I want to just finish with kind of just briefly a story from uh, kind of mine and Fru's life over the last couple of years. Just tell you about the journey that we've been on. As many of you, as Mark has already said, this is our last official Sunday here. We've been a part of BCC as, uh, for 23 years. 23 years ago in the summer, we started coming, and we've been a part of this church since. And I've been on staff for the last 14 years. What a privilege that's been. I've loved every moment, every moment of it, every second. (laughs) 
over the past two years, God has been challenging Fru and I on kind of where we're at. And, um, and he gave us a word that's two years ago, two summers ago, to prepare for a change. And so we have been doing that. And I've been talking to Mark and talking to a few close friends over that time about what that looks like, not really knowing. There was no real clarity that we had about what the opportunity or what the door would be, but we sensed actually there would be a door. And, and it, took, it took a lot of faith. It was difficult at times just saying, God, you know, are we, are we, you know, we love this house. We want to be here. And there were times where I argued with God a little bit. You, know, do you, we, you can't mean that we're leaving BCC because we're planted in this. And we love what's happening here. There's so much good. There's so much amazing things going on in this church that we're a part of. And as the two-year deadline started to approach, um, again, we we uh, not sure what this summer would bring. And it came to a point where we really sensed God was saying that it was time to move on, but we needed to take a step of faith. And so a couple of months ago, um, in a leaders' meeting, Fru and I spoke to the leaders in the church, and I can't tell you, how simply amazing they were. You've got fantastic leaders here, guys. Mark and Liz, Rob and Kaylin, Prince and Yakova, Vlad and Deborah were all in the room when we shared that we felt God was calling us on. We didn't know what to. And their response was just, yeah, we're going to support you. We believe in God. We believe that God is doing something, so we're just going to support you 100%. And it was the hardest, the hardest conversation we've had, had to give. And then it felt like, okay, well, there's our skin in the game, God. What now? We didn't have to wait long before. It was less than a week later, I get a phone call from actually my brother, who says, I know this probably won't be of interest to you, but an opportunity has come up to, to, lead, uh, to plant a church in a town nearby, and I know you're, kind of you're in BCC and that, but you know, I thought I should ask, would you consider it? And I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> you know, it just felt like, okay, well, there's two years waiting up to this moment. God was working all throughout all that time in the background halfway across the country that we didn't know about. But it took us to put our skin in the game to be not just a hearer, but to be a doer of his word. And... Not just over there God was working. God was working in BCC, bringing all sorts of amazing people. Amazing people. And, you know, Mark noticed a few weeks ago about all the new members of staff that are coming on. You guys are going to go places because you have a fantastic leadership team. You have a brilliant team working here. And we have a brilliant congregation. You have a great church who just want to reach people for God. And so I guess as I finish... We're confident that he is in control. We've sang it so much this morning. Guardian, you go before me. You're there beside me. You go before us. What was the second song, Jay? Never once did we ever walk alone. Never once did you leave us on our own. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, God, you are faithful. He's faithful. He's a faithful, faithful God. And so... As sad as this is, this is also amazing. We are so excited. You guys sending us out to take what you have put in us somewhere else and what God is doing here, 
we can take somewhere else. And God's just building his kingdom. Finally, James 1, 22. Do not merely listen to the word, so deceive yourself. Do what he says. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they're going to be blessed in what they do. Bless you all, guys. Thank you. I forgot. Sorry. Great. Thank you, Adam. Um, last official Sunday, <laughs> but Adam's leading worship at the men's on the 30th. And actually, as a family, Adam and Fru are going to be living in the area for probably the best part of the next year. So, uh, and some of the kids will be involved in what we're doing. So you, you will see them around. So as sad as it is, you know, you know, we started in a way with communion today, worship and communion. And we've got to be kingdom minded in everything we do. We've got to be kingdom-minded because if we're not, we get attached in the wrong way. Emotions build up and you know what? Life is short and the kingdom is forcefully advancing. Let me tell you that. We have a king who is moving his kingdom forward throughout this earth. And this is a great um, scripture. Thank you, Adam, for preaching really well this morning. Great job. And um, um, we'll, we've got a few more things to say, but I just wanted to wrap up effectively on this message. It's the end of this series. And when you said the red words, Adam, I remember what inspired me. I, I, th- I think I may have told you a few years ago, I want to do a series on the red words of Jesus. Because I once responded in a conference. I very rarely do it. I was a leader at the time. I was a pastor. And uh, a guy a, a, a spoke a fantastic message. And I, I felt God speak to me and, and said, just go speak to him and ask him the question. How do you really know when God is speaking? And I went up to this guy. I looked him straight in the eyes. And he said, just read the red words. If you read the red words, then you'll know who Christ is. And then the decision-making is actually very easy. I tell you what, we make life so complicated. And how many times do we kind of flap about what's God's decision? What's God, how's God leading? I tell you what it is, it's because we don't know the red words. We don't know the foundations for a kingdom life. We don't know them. So often we, we know church patterns. We know church style. We know leadership. We know this, that, and the other. But we don't know Jesus. We, get, we sit in church week in, week out. We don't know who Jesus is. And it's interesting that the very end um, of this, this chapter, uh, it, it, it talks about, about hearing and doing. And, and it actually finishes on foundations. If we started the whole series. Do you remember, God spoke to me just before the previous, last but one, prayer and fasting. I'm resetting the foundations in BCC. So that's why we did this series. Because God was doing something, and that his foundations were, he's going to change the foundations in our church. That's people. People are the church. It's not the building. We're not talking about rebuilding this place particularly. It might be part of the puzzle. We're just figuring it out as we go along. But, you know, it finishes really with a test. What we just finished, Adam, Adam's third major, third major point is a test. He's saying, don't be just hearers, but be doers. The foolish are the people who hear, but do nothing. The wise are the ones who listen. You notice how they're changing language. People who listen, people who listen, husbands, wives, you know when your husband or your wife's listening, don't you? They may be, hearers don't really hear. They don't really listen. They, they can be just hearing the words, but they're not really listening. And it talks, about, it talks about the consequences of failing. And so there's a huge warning at this end of this, this scripture about foundations. And as we look personally and, and as a church and, and individually, there is a prophetic statement in this. I'm glad you brought that out, Adam. 
because you'll know them by their fruit. The true faith of what this church has got is going to be shown in its fruit going forward. We may talk about foundations, but if there's no fruit, then we're just kidding ourselves. We're just hearing and not doing. We have got to produce something. And you may say, well, I don't like leaders who just look at... You know, let me tell you, leaders are accountable for what God gives to them in terms of responsibility. And all of us are called to lead. Do you know that? We're all called to lead. We're called to be followers who lead others, disciples, disciple makers. And this final piece talks about the visible and the invisible. I just want to bring a thought on this for a moment. The visible and the invisible. We have just watched in the last couple of weeks, in the week, last week and a half around the globe. Have you seen the weather around the world? And the rain, Hurricane Harvey, the visible smashes stuff up. I'm telling you. Divisible. And the, the scriptures here is all about being aware of the visible. There will be visible things that hit your structures, hit your life. There will be visible things that hammer you from the outside. And if we don't listen to the word and apply these red words, this sermon on the mount, this series, we don't apply this stuff in our life, this template, this blueprint for life, we won't produce fruit. And actually we'll come crashing down. And it will it'll be in the visible. But there's the invisible. Like in Mumbai, did you see that this week? Where the building that was condemned already collapsed and still killed 30 or 40 people. The invisible was at work in a building that was supposed to be empty. And our lives, if we don't watch out for the visible and the invisible, both of them are threats to us. And we build our strength. And you know, while we were on holiday, the second day in, I had some very spiritual moments on, on my holiday. One night... I had this huge dream that kept me just awake in my sleep, if that makes sense, throughout the night. And I saw this huge, this picture in my mind of buildings and landscape and, and stuff, just all the stuff you're familiar with. And in my dream, I saw myself standing. And as I looked around, I saw stuff collapsing all over the place all around me, like 360 degrees around me, everything was collapsing. And it was like a potential nightmare. It wasn't a nightmare. Because I thought, this thing is collapsing. It's getting closer and closer and closer. And then it stopped. Because in my life, the invisible is in place. And the foundations are rock solid. And what God showed me was that actually stuff can look like what you're standing on. It can look like it, but it isn't the same. And actually, and this is before Mumbai, this is before Harvey, it's before all the storms kicked in, it hit the news. And I looked around and I realized that around my life, it's rock solid. But the stuff beyond it looked like it, but it wasn't. And it just made me really, I just thought, wow. And that, there was a sequence of events happened while I was away on holiday. Spiritual moments in my dreams, at nighttime, in the daytime. And I realized that the test is when it hits you. The test, and you know what? It's not me who's going to be tested on my own. It's each one of us. Our lives are all going to be tested. You're all going to hit storms. Let's just stand. We're not going to sing a song right now, but let's just stand. At the end of this series, if everything we've heard becomes a, a catalog, a, re, a menu, and we've just picked off the a la carte menu and decide, I like that bit, don't like that bit, like that bit. You know what? You will hit a storm. It'll be either a visible or an invisible storm. And the visible may 
may hit you hard, but it's not going to bring you down. If the foundations are solid. On the invisible side, you don't know what's inside until things hit. But you'll stand and you'll be strong. And that'll be the fruit for each one of us. And I think we should each commit ourselves to be doers of the word. And, you know, just if that's you and you want to live a life that does the word and carries this, then just raise your hand with me right now. Because this is where we will be going forward. We'll be carriers of rock solid stability going forward. So, Lord, I pray for our church, pray for Adam and Fruit, pray for everything that we've heard in this series. God, that our lives would be contained, Lord, with your word. Your word would be the rock solid foundation in everything we do. That God, despite the storms on the outside, maybe the storms on the invisible on the inside, God, you will still protect us. And Lord, for those who are battling storms right now, Lord, who don't know if they're going to go under, I pray you strengthen them right now in Jesus' name, that they'll know that they're standing where, where you're standing and that the strength will be there in the storm, we pray. God, may this church go from strength to strength. May ministries be formed. May leaders be raised up. May the lost be found. May this be, place be a place where others come because stuff is sinking around us. But Lord, they find the rock that is Jesus Christ in this place, that we multiply multiply through multi-site and Lord we multiply through congregations we multiply through vision and purpose and release potential Lord God those who are not yet in this church a part of your body we pray them in in Jesus name God we thank you for your love in Jesus name in Jesus name